this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Dug Too Deep, the officially unofficial podcast for the Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I am Aaron. And today we're talking about the season finale, uh, episode eight, Alloyed. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of this episode? I thought this was a pretty good finale, actually. Shockingly, I was thinking over the last few weeks, good golly, am I even going to want to come back for another season? Like, this is so far from mm-hmm. what I wanted to see out of a Rings or Power adaptation after such a promising start. I mean, go mm-hmm. back and listen to those few, first few episodes. I was really taken with this. Um, and I feel like that this, I got to come up with a new theory of why the middle of this show sags so much. Is it like that they have a pretty good idea, like in terms of roadmap where they want to go and some good twists, but they don't know how to make those connections and, and tell that story effectively. Yeah. Because I, I think if I, if and, and I'm going to save some of this stuff for the wrap up podcast we'll do next week. Um, but I can't tell if like did this ep- did this season move too slow too fast because this felt like <laughs> uh-huh. like I, I got so many more answers to so many more things than I thought I was was going to get and I thought some of them were some kind of clever twists I still think there's going to be some clever twists around the road um around the trail whatever but like I, I thought this in fact I think this is single handedly revived my interest in the series. Um, oh, they're nice. like, okay, okay. If this is the starting point for next season, I think I would definitely check out next season to see if they can kind of like learn from some of the stuff. And I know that I think I think I heard that some of the production was pretty rushed on this. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know why in the hell you would rush right. something that costs this much money. And you know, all those, all the, all the, 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 the existing kind of objections to how this thing has been done. I, I thought this was a really good finale. Um, shockingly good. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good too. Um, after the last couple of weeks where I was like, well, they've really lost the thread here. They're just doing silly shit and uh, it's all kind of mediocre at best. Um, yeah, this finale was better. I appreciated some some of the reveals that we finally get, you know, at least we can ground ourselves in who's who mostly now. Um that that was kind of a relief because like I said last episode, I think that Meteor Man stuff was growing a little thin. To yes. Me. Um and I'm, we we have an answer. I'm I'm curious when we get to talking about it if if it's an exact answer or if it's a little bit still general, but I, I yeah. just don't know the lore behind it. Um and I I enjoyed some of the fan servicey stuff. I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan, but even for me, like the forging of those three elven rings was super cool. Just watching the mm-hmm. process, yeah. uh, seeing the resulting rings. I think if you're a big fan of this stuff, then this is going to be super fan servicey and and super exciting for you, right? 
Oh yeah, when they they kind of uh, saw the rings and gathered around, I'm like, well, the very next scene is going to be that thing out of the prologue of the movie where they all put their you know put it on their hands, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you, you, uh-huh. you know that scene I'm talking about. You know, I, I think so. It's it's like a few seconds out of a nine hour saga. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're talking about the kinda, three elves given, yeah, three rings given to the elves, and they all just mm-hmm. kind of like are admiring the rocks. I, I, I yeah, you're right. You're right. Um. It, but and it's I, in a good way, right? I've seen fan servicey stuff in the show that yes. is is too fan servicey. Uh, this I felt was much more balanced, much better. Yeah, uh, I wonder if most of the 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 improvement is they just got rid of uh, Isildork. <laughs> that helped, yeah. You know, or maybe he's dead, and, and I maybe even he's, like maybe the, he's dead. <laughs> I hope he's dead. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're going to change canon entirely. Uh, no, I even like that scene with Ellendale and Muriel where he's, you know, grasp. He, he's coming to grips with the fact that he's lost his son. And that's just the cost of the journey he's on. Um, yeah, that's a pretty strong scene for a character mm-hmm. that I kind of don't give a shit about. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm trying to figure out why the beginning and end of this thing was so good and the middle part is not bad. It was was kind of so not good. And I wonder if there is. Yeah, the, like the, the mystery, the fact that they had to keep the season long mystery on three different fronts really hurt them. And I don't know, like <sighs> clearly they wanted to establish a Gandalf figure. They mm-hmm. want to establish an Aragorn figure. They want to establish hobbits. They want to establish elves. They want to establish. They they had all these things that they they want to establish dwarves. Or dwarves. They had to get all those things. And like I feel like, what does this show look if they just have like the elves trying to get their shit together and then Meteor Man comes in like episode three or four. So like you're not straining yeah. over four iterations of this guy is good or is this guy evil. Um, same thing with the, the you know the fake out with Sauron and uh, Halbrand. Um, I, I feel like if if the show really creaked, feeling like they were dragging their feet about some of those reveals, and maybe if they had spent a little bit more time breaking down, you know, breaking out the episodes or breaking the episodes, yeah. um, I just saw. I don't know. It was just really sloppy, Joe, and those uh, you know uh, episodes five, six, and seven, in my opinion. Yeah, I still have a couple of questions about timing related things and I, th- I think they're it's strange because mm-hmm. sometimes they're they want to be very specific about a thing but it feels like they've been unintentionally vague about it um yeah this tower stuff and the forge and the 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 fading of the light Thank stuff you. i am uh-huh. still still very confused by it because it keeps they keep trying to ratchet it up with Gilgalad saying, well, we've got three months to build this tower and forge these rings. Otherwise, the elves are going to start to fade. And he's like, well, the elves are going to fade in three months if we don't do something. Oh, nope. Actually, it's we don't even have three weeks. Uh, no, it's happening right. tomorrow, guys. Sorry. Yeah. It, it's like bleed. we're bleeding leaves. And, and this is tree? supposed to be a process that takes thousands of years, in I my understanding, I, for the elves. I, the actual fade, forging. But, I, oh, 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 yeah, 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 for sure. But this he's talking like, like it's going to happen if we don't leave tomorrow, guys. We got to go to Valor. Right. We got to get to Valinor this Tuesday. Otherwise, the elves are done for. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, there's some kind of blight that's like what? like uh, light cancer that's infected everything elvish. Um, and they, they haven't really explained that. Like, I'm guessing. No, I wonder if they're going to peel back and you're going to see like how much of this season was a machination by Sauron, because I do like the fact that they really nailed his kind of deceiver role. 
Like uh-huh. when Galadriel uh, hurled all those accusations against him, he's like, did I really lie or did I admit you mm-hmm. or were these all the things that you wanted to do? And I just pitched in and helped out on the parts that also suited me. And I felt like they almost talked me into thinking that Sauron, <laughs> maybe he's going to go and try to be good and like have a fall. But like, I know no, that's just his yeah. shtick. And they did. Mm-hmm. I thought that 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 worked when they finally revealed yeah. it, it. It it worked. Um, and all the times that people are throwing the words of others back in their faces, right? Uh, Elrond does it with Gilgalad this episode. Sure. Are you really going to talk about the the hope and then uh-huh. not give us the time we need to even try? And then, you right. know, with Galadriel, yeah, Halbrand's saying, like, you wanted to give me a redemption arc here, right? You said everybody can be redeemed. You just didn't ask how bad the things I'd done are. It Does, does that disqualify me? You know, I... Yeah. I kind of liked all that stuff. I, I the only real problem I have is with the vagueness of the timeline mm-hmm. on, on this dying of the light stuff. Yeah, I had time this morning to watch this a couple times, and I I will say that the first I was peak pissed off when they just reveal the stranger as Sauron. Like it's so matter of fact, and so I'm like, well, this is like, <laughs> I kind of saw it coming, but this is stupid how they're doing this. And by the end of the episode, I thought that was pretty clever. Um, it, it was still kind of stupid the way they set it up, but yes. yeah, I, I immediately was like, okay, well, they think he's Sauron. Does uh, that actually make him? I, I was still side eyeing that, going, I'm not I was sure like, they're wow. playing straight with this. I was a, I was, I was willing to be like 95 percent certain to Halbrand was Sauron, Sauron, Sauron. At the end of last episode, and then I'm like, God damn. But then when he said, consider it a gift, I'm like, that son of a bitch, Xanatar, <laughs> the Lord of Gifts. He's oh, Sauron. No. There's no freaking way. And then, yeah, I... And you're right. And we finally got some loss, you know? Like, I thought Sadak, I really liked his character throughout the season. And, uh, you know, him dying to save essentially nori and the stranger i thought was very tolkien-esque you know that like there was uh you have to pay a price like af- after the farce because that's the thing i listen to david yeah. david chin's podcast who i gotta say he's been a light in the darkness i feel like it's saying like we're we've been uh simpatico as far as like how this season i, I think we're diverging mm-hmm. now because I, I don't think he liked the finale very much huh. which is a shame but him and his co-host pointed out that it's like it's not the pyroclastic flow of it and that like sure. everyone should be exterminated. It's just, they told us a story of something powerful happening. That was an impending doom of a group and people should have died. Maybe uh-huh. not everyone, but somebody besides the third banana of a second banana group and a horse on fire, like someone like Ellen, but, but yeah. they didn't like uh brown, Aaron deer, uh, somebody important to us should have died in like a Ned Stark way because now every time at the end of the episode they have some kind of world ending cataclysm befall our heroes why would we think they'd die in fact I was this close to thinking that, that when Sadak came up and stabbed that uh, witch in the foot mm-hmm. oh shit he's just gonna survive his wound yeah Um. so yeah I'm not gonna take back any of the things I said about episode five six or seven but this nope. is a step in the right direction and it makes me think that they've got like a horseshoe problem where you know they got the two ends figured out but this bendy piece in the middle is like whoa I don't know that doesn't yeah. it's far from a straight line and uh that's just I you know with their experience I don't know how they could do any better the question is well that's 
why you put the rookie squad in for the half billion dollar project. Yeah, yeah. And they brought some of the big guns out for this finale, right? Like Jennifer Hutchinson is one of the writers of this episode. Oh, no way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. You expect to step it up. More of that. More of that. And And I will say that even even with the praise, I did. I there was some clunky dialogue that I'm going to highlight as we go that just felt like you're trying to token something up and it just woof it does just doesn't work you know <laughs> so, some of the dialogue i liked in that respect like all the halbrand galadriel stuff I, I i was pretty much in for yeah basically all of that i thought it was mm-hmm. appropriately flowery and mm-hmm. i mean these are two very powerful people speaking to each other in this old english stuff it it felt pretty epic. Right. But there's this one like the Farazone guy where he's like, we are going to forge an epic tomb of stone. Like mm-hmm. forge. St- what? Uh, I'm like, this like, what kind of nightmare steel girder stone contraption thing you got in mind here? Farazone? Like, no, no, yeah. no stone carver Mason or whatever would say something like that. It's no. And there was a couple others along those lines where it's like, you can't just build something. You've got to forge it. Or, and they got themselves into a little trouble. I thought they were a little cute with the ring stuff. Like they start off with the crown and then they're like, yeah, we're going to make one crown for Gilgalad to wear. Well, you know, and, and then Halbrand's going to like tempt Galadriel trying to make a, a duo here. And then she's going to come back and say, now nah, we actually need three rings. And they kept just saying, like, we need to make something small. Mm-hmm. It's got to be small. And circular circular right it's yeah wearable carryable almost yeah. a little too cute because i don't know i saw what they were doing immediately and then that's what i'm saying like the pacing it. like i feel like they should have pulled some more of the information out of this and the in the first three or four episodes and you know just i they uh, individually the i like i like creating mordor uh-huh. I like yes. how I like Sauron doing the long con, although I got to wonder, like, what the what was his plan of Galadriel? Like, is 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 he at some point sincere and that he did? Because like Adar, Maybe. I think we believe him and he thinks that Sauron. I just think it's funny that Sauron in his fortress of evil is torturing orcs to death to try to uncover the secret of healing. Earth. It just seems like uh. so, so wild. It's like if Dr. Frankenstein stumbled out of his lab and it's like, look. I've got the perfect artificial heart. It's carried. You run on a nine volt battery. The last five years, like what, what? I thought you were stolen corpses together down there, dude. No, 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 no. I got this thing. It's gonna, it's gonna save lives. Like it's, it's crazy. I, I, I um. But yeah, he almost, yeah. he almost talked to me, and I still don't know to what extent he's being completely honest about his intentions and what he's trying to do, and it's just from a certain point of view. And how mm-hmm. much he's just trying to shortcut and how much he's just telling big, big lies. Heap, heap big lies. I don't know. Yeah. And from what Which I understand. Which is a good place for Sauron to be. The, the show's telling some some pretty big lies with the lore, right? Like, it's it's yeah. not exactly following everything that people think they know about the, the lore here. So, it could have some changes to make to Sauron's motivations or other things. That- and I do think they're doing what I would consider medium scale, if not large scale, violence against the canon. But I don't know. So, like if Tol- so if Tolkien's canon is like a stained, beautiful stained glass window, mm-hmm. I feel like these jokers threw a brick through that. And it's like, oh, you blew up wow. the fucking window. But they're making a neat little mosaic of their own that mm-hmm. maybe is not the same as the stained glass window. 
but it's beautiful and a repurposing and a reimagining of something that kind of got pulled apart. Because if you look at the rights of this, like I don't who can tell the Silmarillion? As far as I can tell, no one because the states. Have, <laughs> okay. So like, yeah, they, they, all they could is break the window and then with the pieces they had put set together, you know, and and hmm. but, but I, I, yeah, like I think you're supposed to be in a spot where you're kind of wondering you're, you're supposed to be with the glove, but like, man, Galadriel keeping that from the other elves just because she's embarrassed. She's mortified. She yeah. feels foolish and stupid. Um, ah, Wow. I mean that's that's a real young Galadriel mistake to make. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pride, and and it also conflicted with her other character, like where she's being tempted with the uh, ability to rule, and she's like, you know, I'll never rule anyone. I'm like, isn't it literally canon that you came to Middle Earth so you could rule over things that you weren't getting your else? Well, mm-hmm. this and yeah. Galadriel in particular, it's like, oh, you know, I always wondered how I'd be as a ruler. I'm gonna go over and rule in Middle Earth. Oh, uh, you know, and he's like, <laughs> okay. heal or rule. What's the difference? How dare you suggest you'd want to rule something? You said, like, okay, <laughs> right. But hmm. all in all, I was shocked at how much going into the credits. I'm like, God damn it. They're fucking this hardcore and they don't even care. This is a joke show. By the hmm. end, I shed tears, dude. Hmm. Uh, some of that stuff with Nori saying goodbye to her family and oh, Poppy. Yeah. Uh was pretty hard hitting. Um, I really, I really did emotionally invest in these damn Harfoots, these stupid Harfoots, um, these stupid, brave, loyal Harfoots that yeah. also leave people behind when they sprained her f- I, <laughs> ankle. I know. I, everything you're mentioning that's like a positive, I all is also tinged with like this. There is, huh? yeah. It, this, this show needed a pruning question mark. Something it needed. It needed some tuning up. Uh, Shall we get this episode? I think, but yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about it. We got a lot of rings of power to ponder. We'll be right back after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, let's dig a little deeper on Doug Too Deep. All right, we start off with um, an advertisement for the official podcast, only on Amazon Music. Are you kidding me? Did you see this? The official Rings of Power podcast is only on Amazon Music. How stupid is that? Like, Apple puts all their official stuff on every service, Spotify, Google stuff, their own stuff. Because they know. Because they know. You have to. Do you want people to listen to it or not? Because 90% of people are not listening to it on Amazon Music. Well, Sorry. I got to say, I was turned down. The official reason I was turned down for screeners is because the intense interest, there's just too many people. There's not that many people covering this fucking show. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're hiding the official podcast behind a paywall, so you're cutting out. Because like, there's some amount of Game of Thrones success was piracy. Let's like, you know... Like they had like a, you know, 100 million worldwide audience and twice that at the end pirating it. Right. Like, I Mm -hmm. think you are kind of like, I don't know what numbers they were looking at and whatnot, but like 
there wasn't nearly as much people talking about this. Like Alan Sepinwall did one kind of puff, you know, not puff piece, a full season review. And then he wasn't doing like week by week coverage. I don't think um, there wasn't a lot of like big press outlets covering this like kind of week to week. Uh, and I wonder if some of this was Amazon being a little bit too precious about their press materials and their fit, the supporting fan materials, because there's tons and tons of bonus features right? and stuff, but Maybe they won, and I don't know. Their internal metrics say that this show is shit hot. So maybe they are actually doing the right thing for what they're trying to do with their platform. But I from guess outside I looking don't. in, yeah. Why would you limit your audience? I, I mean, I know why they want to do it. They want to get more people listening to Amazon Music inside but, their walled garden, right? But, but like, you're not even a top, in the top five reach. of music services man right? i wouldn't think yeah google apple and spotify dominate that and that's probably why they're doing this they want to leverage yeah. every possible opportunity to pull more people to amazon music i'm telling you it's not going to work for me but good luck yeah uh we start off the episode with meteor man wandering around in oh boy aaron galen yeah the Greenwood, the Green Forest, the Greenwood. I think, I, I think, I if, if my lore is correct, I think the Greenwood eventually becomes Mirkwood, which is where all the spiders hang out in Middle Earth. Oh, okay. He's he's eventually found by the ascetics, which ascetics, I don't know, which were the, the people death I was metal calling the witches. Yeah. Oh, and I was yeah yeah Swedish yeah. death yeah. metal elves who disguise themselves as Nori to lure him in, and they tell him that they've come to serve him because he's Sauron. Sauron. Uh, Lord Sauron. Let me ask you this. Why do you need to trick this wizard into coming to you if you are trying to get to him to tell him you are going to serve him? That's the huh I have in this episode. Why why fake like they're Nori to get him to follow them to a rock where they can just appear and tell him we're here to serve you, Lord? So it seems like they're aware of this thing called a veiling that the, uh, you know, the demigods of Middle Earth can do to a being like um, shapeshifting um, Morgoth or Sauron to where it's like, well, they're not going to kill him because they're good, but they're going to banish him. But they don't want him to just go back and do evil. So they, they essentially shroud their mind to make them forget themselves. That's they established. That's like, you know, it's like, oh, master, when you as your power comes back, the veil that they put over you will lift. So oh, I okay. think that yeah, they, yeah. they expected him to not know who the hell he is and might lash out in defense. And they've seen him with the Harfoots. So I, I don't know. I didn't, it, it didn't hmm. really bother me. Okay. I actually thought these people were really cool once they got established. Yeah, I don't know. Tricking someone seems like a bad idea to start a relationship. But they're evil. what are you going to do? Is the yeah, but they're here to serve the, the evil means. master. Well, but, but part of that is breaking his veil, you know, and uh, you know, like if they if he blows mm. them off the map with his massive power, when they come and be like, do evil with us, then, you know, where, <laughs> where they got. Sure. I guess if he thinks he's good and they want him to be evil. Sure. But happen. this is literally the Iron Giant, which may be why it works so oh, well. Yeah? But yeah, it's yeah, he's uh, the stranger is the Iron Giant above all else. He's Superman. Gotcha. And here, you know, they call him Lord Sauron, and I'm like, doesn't necessarily mean he is Sauron, right? Just because you think he is, but we'll but see I by accepted the end of the it episode. as truth, and I was just like really underwhelmed. I'm like, wow, oh, yeah, after all this build up, a pre credit <laughs> sequence, just Lord Sauron. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I really loved his Mapple, which is just an apple wrapped in a map. That was oh, pretty good. One thing I meant to do in the pre-show banter is we apologize. We fucked up our schedule such that we could not do yeah. a feedback episode. We did not intentionally duck it because we savaged episode seven. We don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. We were ready to <laughs> no. take our lumps. We just we we had a big uh, a, a big thing going on uh, in our private lives uh, where we had a bunch of company coming and we just miscalculated. I actually included I actually recorded the session with John, the the lore corner mm-hmm. uh, thinking. And it just so I've got that lore corner. We're going to add it to the end of this episode. And I think that I'm going to do a spoiler kind of speculation section with Jim immediately after that, because I, I want to stake out a claim here. Uh, I will promise that next week, you know, Lorehounds will be back to do their 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 Lorehound thing, and we will have a supersized edition of feedback. You know, we'll just do whatever has come, and then we will still have uh, a a, a wrap up podcast the week after. So, apologize for the feedback, but we will be getting it, and there will be a lore corner on this episode of the podcast, and after that, there'll probably be some some spoiler discussion. Cool. Uh, one more thing about the scene before we leave it. Uh, I really like the effect that they use for the shape shifting. I don't think it's like super pronounced here because they just pull back the hood. But when they do it later, when yeah, the, the aesthetic is uh, disguised as the meteor man, and she just kind of like throws it to the ground, and, and it like disintegrates into. To like dots, I, something, yeah, it's and, a really and cool she, effect. She like also kind of rolls her body out of it, so it's like almost uh-huh. like somehow unfolding. Uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, mm. this show is kind of, it's kind of been, you know, hasn't really done things to visually impress me the last few, other than the the volcano, which I was was beautiful, but a debacle. Yeah, um, I thought they did a lot of things that really were showy and attention catching this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the uh, everything about the uh, the the feel and the costuming and everything of these aesthetics, I thought really worked. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Celebrimbor considering the idea of doing more with less mithril. Elrond tells him they're out of time and they have to leave. And Gladriel shows up in the elf city. This is not Linden. What city is this? I have no idea. Um, Aregion. Aregion. Okay. This uh, is where this is where Celebrimbor is, isn't it? Yeah, where he built the tower. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess Gilgalad's hanging out in Aregion, which I guess that checks out. He'd be very interested in this project. Sure. Um. He, yeah. He shows up later, right? He's like incoming in in these scenes. Um. Yes. Anyway, Galadriel shows up with Halbrand and asks him to help. Uh, because he's injured. If you forgot about that from last episode. Uh, that night, Elrond apologizes for not trusting her, and Galadriel tells him that she's not willing to give up or to let him give up on his mithril dreams. Mm-hmm. See, I thought this dialogue was a little weak. It's like, boy, you're really stretching the swimming me- me- uh, metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're close to Dory and Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with like, well, we're not going to drown now. Well, what are we going to do? We got to swim. Okay, but what are we actually going to do, Galadriel? <laughs> right. You yeah. Know? I, I guess press press the king to give them more time. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. But I, I like the Elvish healing, uh, you know, Halbrin getting worked over in the background. And I liked how shocked 
you know, because they didn't forget that, you know, Elrond, for his perspective, thinks that she's in the sacred lands of Valinor. Uh-huh. Here she shows up, just bounces off a horse, kind of, and, and he's like, wooga, wooga, what? Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Halbrand visits Celebrimbor's workshop, and he is awestruck by his skill. He notes the mithril, and they talk about how there just isn't enough of it to work with. And Halbrand suggests that they create an alloy that might amplify its powers. And Celebrimbor likes that idea. I think he mostly likes being flattered by the fact that Halbrand recognizes the Celebrimbor. Dude, this plays so well on multiple watches because, you know, mm-hmm. when you get the Sauron, he's saying, my master praised you. He's talking about Morgoth. <laughs> and of course, like Morgoth probably did give it up to Celebrimbor and Fionor and all these other like great elven smiths because he loves stealing their shit and running <laughs> off with it. <laughs> right. Uh, but like it works. So and like I've always thought that that's the way to get in. Like if Sauron is going to do anything, to the elves, he would appeal to their flattery and their vanity and like, oh, I'm just a country bumpkin. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Precious metals, rare as hen's teeth where we're from, boss. But I just figure, you know, if you put the two together, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, how good is Celebrimbor? Does he not know how to alloy shit? That's Does he the not thing. Know, have like, the, there, have the elves not discovered the concept of alloys? Right. But I get, it's like one of those things where it's like, you've got a highly specialized skill like smithing that these elves are supernaturally good at. How in the fuck could you talk about that in a mm-hmm. way that would realistically seem like you're giving Calibrimbor a leg up without completely, you know, it's like, well, I found if you vapor deposit a layer of nickel three millimeters, you know, th- three micrometers deep and you right. put it like, then what the hell is he even talking about? So like, I don't know. They were kind of, but it is like, yeah, if you know anything about anything, this is like, you know, damn near caveman level of iron, you know, smith, metal smithing. Um, right, right. Yeah, maybe could have had him suggest something about uh, Galadriel's blade. Yeah. And that that might have done it because that would be knowledge that Celebrimbor might not necessarily have, but he does have it in this episode yeah. so yeah and uh, how would how would Halbrand know about the special valve I, I don't I don't I don't know what they could have done better well, but after like the was, mind meld maybe he could have done that yeah but I don't know it was probably too late in the episode to do that then and that's the other thing is like I feel like maybe they could have have him pitched in one last time because like I, I thought the idea of like we're working too hard we're trying too hard we need to be more gentle and coaxing rather than force it because yeah that makes sense you know like Caleb Brimbor had made this forge which I don't even think he's using is the other thing is I got the idea that this is just his workshop. It's not the part <gasps> of the really? star forge that they built. Yeah. Like uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but they didn't, I didn't think to tell a very good job of. I want to say some there. of the establishing shots were of the tower, but I could be wrong. Well, I mean, we saw the tower all of two times and both of those yeah. times it was under construction. So right. like, so what does it even look like? Would we recognize yeah, like, it? What is like if you walk in like let's say that you are a big fan of like Thomas Edison and he had his Menlo Park thing and like oh it's very impressive and then you meet him late in life and he has just yesterday moved into a new factory mm-hmm. would you go in there and be like oh my god the famous workshop of Thomas Edison right uh, no ah uh, but if you if you, if you these only are all if you knew quibbles. who Thomas Edison was and he was standing in front of you, then you'd realize it's his workshop. But he doesn't actually know that this is Celebrimbor at first, right? Or is he? Yeah. Or is he lying? That's what I'm saying. He's it's, probably lying. Well, yeah, no, he definitely knows who he is. I just think that um, 
it's just a little it's it's just a little clunky just a little clunky but yeah, honestly sorry. everything else like i said the, the way you'd corrupt an elf is through their own vanity and by flattering mm-hmm. their ego and they definitely have sold like that's one thing they established early is Celebrimbor thinks highly of himself really lives the outdoor Fionor and his legendary works of the Simmerals. And he's already got this project. Like it's half done. It's like, I got these gems. They fully embodied the glory of middle earth. Just like the Simmerals fully embodied the glory of the light of Valinor. And I've got this metal and boy, if I could just get them to go together, I'd have something here. But I just like that, that basic thing felt right. Yeah. And of course they'd be trying hard, right? They'd be trying as hard as they could. Right. It's not just, It's not just the like physical pressure of the process. It's also the pressure that they're under um, yeah. to find a solution here. So, yeah. But also, like when well. he said, uh, it's a, such an intriguing suggestion, Lord Halbred. And he's like, call it a gift. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Anatar, Lord of the Gifts. They, they, they're trying to get cute, but I've I've cottoned on to them. So that, that felt pretty good, too. It's a pretty good progression. Uh, that elven magic works, pr- healing magic works pretty well. Because Halbred's just <laughs> up and about the next day, I guess. No problem. And I'm guessing that Sauron's just faking. Like all this is a put on. Like Sauron. I, yeah, can't be, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he hasn't poured all of his will into the ring yet. He's a fairly powerful individual, and he like just handles Galadriel at the end of this episode uh-huh. when she tries to kill him. Like we've seen how deadly she is. So like, mm-hmm. I think he has been uh, faking, sandbagging, sandbagging, sandbagging the whole time. But I uh, and also well I. I I wonder how, going forward, how openly evil Halbrand is going to be, or Sauron's going to be. Because he's got this thing where, like, Galadriel knows he's Sauron, but he, she's the only one. And she's kind of poisoned the well when it comes to the Halbrand. But, like, he can still go back to the southern parts of... Uh, yeah, go talk to of, Bronwyn and... Of, of Middle-earth and be a hero. He's still their king. Uh-huh. So I wonder like how, cause it looks like he's ready to just go to Mordor and be evil at the end of the season. But, yeah. Yeah. He's walking, you know, he can him. still like, cause then we know canonically, uh, Sauron's able to call on a lot of the Southern men and the Eastern Easterlings or whatever they're called. So like he does corrupt and mislead a bunch of men. Um, and if so, you can kind of see it's like, cause in the books, it's always just like, well, these guys are just kind of evil, you mm. know? Uh, but like you can see that like it, it, he might've just, just hood, hoodwinked them. You know? Yeah. No, it's possible. Uh, Ferrazone tells the builders that they're soon going to have to design a tomb for the king, and they each get an hour with him to figure it out. And during Yarian's hour, the king wakes and claims, if the old ways of our people are not restored, our island will fall. And Yarian goes to get help, and when she returns, he's opened a door to the palantir for her. So she goes up there, and I think... She looks at it. We won't actually return to this before the yeah. end of the episode. She pulls the veil off of it. So this is another thing that's stupid, right? Like, kind of. Why is the king not? He's on death's door. Mm-hmm. Why is no one in shouting distance when <laughs> uh, Arian is like, help, they don't help spoil. the king, the king. They, and they then, don't want spoilers for the, what the tomb's going to look like, man. <laughs> And then she comes back and he's like sitting on his throne with this uh, Harry Potter doorknob thing and he's open up secret passage and he's calling her Queen Muriel and she's just going with it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I just feel like if I was this intern in this position, I would have tried more than once to go halfway go down the hallway and be like, I maybe got up and left. I, I don't know. I just felt like they really made her out to be 
stupidly impetuous. And the king, mm-hmm. like, come on, there's no like you just you just had some dude break into here. Uh, again, like you'd think the king would be. I don't know. I thought I I thought this was just not thinking very hard. Uh, and who knows what they're even going with it? Right, um, right. That's what I'm most bummed about is we don't even come back yeah. to it in the episode. Isildur's sister is going to be corrupted by the Palantir. Great, great. Another we don't know. Shitty, we don't know what shitty, happens. Is the thing right? But I'm just saying, like another shitty. Uh, yeah, it's like whatever. It's like it's it's more Ellen Deal family plots. It's 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 cancer in the show. <laughs> right. I do like the king's description of his brain scramblies. Uh, I cannot separate what is from what was and what was from what will be mm-hmm. from looking into the Palantir for too long. That's that's cool. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not all awful, but I just love like this, this, this king sits up bolt in bed and grabs your wrist. And he says to a teenager, I know what you do in the dark of night when you think no eyes are on you. <laughs> Shit. <It's> like, <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, this is super private. I didn't sign up for this in my stone sketch forging classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to Celebrimbor, Galadriel, and Elrond. Oh, taking... did we ever comment on the king's prophecy of you'll only find darkness in Middle-earth to the queen being highly ironic since she was blinded? It, you know, I didn't even notice. I, I didn't make that connection until this episode in the... Okay in the previews or recap or whatever. But yes, you're right. I'm sure we got lots of feedback on it too. But like I, yeah, I was like, oh, right. That is actually kind of, if you get over the volcano of everything, that's pretty clever. Yeah. No, I liked it. Uh, All right. Celebrimbor, Galadriel, and Elrond take their alloy idea to Gilgalad. They want to make it into a crown for him to wear. And he tells them, "Uh, we don't have time because the great trees lose and leaves even faster now. Celebrimbor repeats a line from Halbrand about power not of flesh but over it, which Galadriel takes note of. And Gilgalad orders him to disband the city and return to Linden immediately. Galadriel asks Celebrimbor where he heard those words, and he says it might have been one of his smiths, maybe Halbrand, eh, or maybe his own words, who knows. Afterward, Elrond tries to convince the king to give them more time. Yeah, I like how the king explicitly forbids them to do any forging or do anything and like <laughs> Celebrimbor is like Matthew McConaughey in Magic Mike he's like now I know the law of the high king of the elves Gilgalad <laughs> is that we do not forge the rings of power but I think I see a lot of lawbreakers in this house tonight cause like <laughs> they just give fuck all about what Gilgalad says yeah it's true. <laughs> I was yeah, like, that's wow, the thing. Like, the next scene is apparently he gave them more time because they're just back at it. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know. Not, and uh, I like Elrond throwing his words in his own face. You know, it was good. never mere, not even when it's meager. I, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. No, I liked, I liked it. And like, if Gilglad's not a big, as big an asshole to be like, okay, you know, fuck you. He's like, oh, yeah, you got me. You got, you, you hoisted me on my own petard. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and the, here's where I have like timing issues. Like this seems like a third acceleration of the fading of the elves, and I thought it was three months. Now it's like tomorrow. It was supposed to take thousands of years. I don't know. But things change. Like the meteor, I feel like advanced things. The mountain eruption advanced things. Like there's yeah, things. Yeah, the process that, like, is still going to take thousands of years, right? I don't. Like, I don't think so. The I process, think they're telling like, that there's. Uh, and also, like how I, I also wonder is Sauron doing this? Like did Sauron infect the tree to mislead Gilgalad? So all this would happen. Like how next level is sure. he? 
Like, because I, I don't know, was he on the boat because he was desperate and suicidal and, I don't know, fleeing the whatever, being banished by Adar or whatever? Or was he, you know, had he manipulated everything like Heath Ledger's Joker to be like, I'm going to be here while Gladrail's there and Gilgalad's done this and haha, my plan is perfectly swinging in motion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll find out more about it next next season. <laughs> yeah, won't find out anymore this season. Uh, apparently, like I said, Gilgalad gave them more time because he continued working on Halbrand's idea while Galadriel sends someone to try to track down information on Halbrand. And Halbrand then thanks Galadriel for saving him. In the most sinister way possible. I'll never forget that. And I'll see to it that no one no else one does else either. And then the like slightly dissonant tones start playing in the music. So they, they, it does seem like, just I want to stick a step back, look at the big macro picture. It does mm-hmm. look like, in a very real and ironic sense, that Gil-Galad has been right this whole time. If Galadriel stays on her stupid boat, Sauron drowns in the Western Seas, and the elves diminish, maybe, but the Middle-earth is going to suffer at the end of the Second Age, it's going to suffer in the Third Age, and the elves are going to diminish and fade away anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, it seems to me that the best thing would have been for the elves to fuck off the Valinor, which, again, they do an age later anyway, and spare Middle-earth all of this horror. Hmm. Because he's right. Like, Galadriel has made this literally in a very real sense that Sauron definitely kneels her with, that she has made all this happen. Well, let's take it back one one other layer. Let's peel this onion. Uh, If they hadn't conspired to send her to Valinor against her wishes... Uh, and had given her the ability to continue hunting Sauron, she never would have run into... She wouldn't have had the opportunity oh, to run into Sauron. This is true. they just given her a few stupid elves, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I feel like no, there's an argument to be made that it's Gilgalad particularly, and maybe Elrond who's also to blame. Mm. But but you're right. Like, if she, does, if she just goes to Valinor, it's also right. over. Yeah. But you're right. Like, why should she subjugate her will when she's... Correct. She's demonst- demonstrably correct. It's just yeah, interesting. Sorry, still out there. Especially at the end when you're when when Galadriel's all like, uh, "We have to keep this power for the elves." I wonder if that's going to be seen to backfire too. Because like, I wonder if like Sauron would have bothered forging the other rings if like the ring. Imagine if like, okay, the El- the High King of the Elves gets one ring, the High King of the uh, Numenor gets a ring, and the High King of the Dwarves gets a ring. That's balance. Mm-hmm. That's symmetry. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're going for here. Oh, we got to keep this for the elves. elves. It seems like that's going to backfire and it's going to cause more misery. That's what I'm guessing that they're going to go with. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Could be. Um, yeah, I was kind of bothered that Galadriel's not saying anything to anybody about the words that she heard and who she thinks this guy is, but she is investigating it. I guess I'll give her time. Yeah. Cause I honestly, I was a little confirm. I was thinking to myself, is she too suspicious? Like, this is some coincidental stuff. And I, I think you're wrong. You said that this is stuff that maybe, maybe you're right. That Halbrand's, I thought this is what they got out of Adar when they're mutually interrogating him. He was yeah, the one. so, so okay. yes, that was the first time she heard it. And that's why this piques her interest when Celebrimbor says it. But I think okay. Celebrimbor heard it from Halbrand. Yes, 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 yes. I thought you yeah. said the Hal, that the Halbrand had told her this. And I just want to make no, sure no. to clarify that. Uh, all right, let's go back to Meteor Man. 
the aesthetic aesthetics tell him that they're taking him back to their lands, the stars, which are called the Hermit's Hat, and they're only visible in the lands of Rune. They knock him out and tie him up because he doesn't quite have control of his powers yet. Uh, the Harfoots are watching him, and they sneak in to try and free Meteor Man, but realize too late it's a trap, and the ascetics attack them. Sadik is injured in the process, and then the real Meteor Man wakes up, uses his powers funneled through a staff of the ascetic to save them, and afterwards Sadik sits and watches the sunrise as he dies. Wow, wow, of, yeah, I covered a lot of ground of, here. I, I know, um, it's, it's the whole <laughs> venture back over to Meteor Man here. Yeah, but there's a lot of like cool like fan servicey stuff. Like when the um the dweller, I think, is her name. Which I I would have sworn that she is some sort of uh a gender non binary person, but I looked it up and her Instagram is she her. So there you go. Is that the uh, the main aesthetic? That the main yeah, the what I'm calling the main one. The one that okay. like did the sick body roll out of her leaf pile to transform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh like the the you know her using that staff to bully the shit out of the stranger was very reminiscent of Sauron Saruman using it against Gandalf. Sure. Um, and like you know the whole like wizards really need their staff to channel their magic apparently because as soon as he got even an evil staff he was like fucking whipping ass. Mm-hmm. Um, what what about turning them into moths? Is I that, thought. Am that's... I supposed to? get any of that or is it just a weird thing well it's a really cool anytime you see a person burst into a cloud of insects i always think evil like you know when you <laughs> okay. saw that like in constantine the movie or you think lord of the flies or something like that but i thought the one lady's face turned into the exact type of moth that gandalf is always whispering into to use as a messenger which might oh. imply that this is i because I, I think you're supposed to understand that these are Maiar, the lower class of angelic beings that are kind of on Saruman and and Gandalf and and even Sauron's level. Um, so maybe that like because I've always understood that those moths were more than just regular moths, you know, because they're always pounding around the eagles and whatnot. So like I I think you're supposed to you're you're supposed to make the connection like ah this is some powerful spirit creature that okay. he's banished to the shadow. Gotcha. Um, and then they yeah. call him the Istar, which we'll find out here in a bit just means wise one or wizard um yep, it's one of the names I'm, for the five five wizards in the tolkien so there universe. you go five wizards i'm assuming this is gandalf but i'm i'm not sure if i'm supposed to assume that or not or if this is just I think one of the le- other wizards they are pushing the gandalf pedal down to the metal um, too much in a lot of different ways and i want to talk about some alternate because like gandalf is clearly the thing you're supposed to think about this guy right after the lore corner i want to come back and you and i talk about maybe some other possibilities so i haven't heard mentioned okay. a lot but, yeah because i feel yeah. like i know just enough to be tricked here yeah and uh, i know just enough to be dangerous and to mislead people so okay. I'll definitely <laughs> have to we'll, we'll have another lore corner next week where john and i hash it out so we'll we'll see what happens Nice. But I, I thought this action scene was great. I like, yeah. you know, the bravery of the hobbits that they're like, you know, uh, where's the other ones? Like, I don't know, but two, I like these odds. Let's jump them now. And, uh, you know, then the nailing Poppy to the tree and then Sadok popping out on death's door, stabbing the lady's foot. I mm-hmm. thought that stuff was pretty fucking cool. And, you know, very typical hobbit, proto hobbit bravery. And I thought and, it was pretty beautiful. I mean, everybody in this episode is making a sacrifice, right? Yes. And Sadik here is the sacrifice that they have to make. And I found it pretty moving and pretty beautiful when they're just 
staring at the sunset as he's dying, but I couldn't help but think, why doesn't Meteor Man just save him? I've seen him bring to life entire groves of trees again that have been scorched. Why can't he step in? I've seen him heal people. Why can't he step in and just heal Sadik? Well, canonically, the Istari have a lot of restrictions on what and what what kind and when and how they can use their power. Does this guy know that? Which is why. Well, but I think dead, he half brain. Literally, dead. that's what I'm saying. He, I think he literally doesn't. But now he's starting to like this. This. Okay. You know, yeah, his using his power is lifting this. that, lifting his veil. So I think that now it's like I'm. I am surprised that someone didn't ask him to try. <laughs> right? Sadik's just like, because well, I guess I'm dead said, from this, mor- this ninja star they threw at me. Yeah. Because he could explain it's like, you know, some things are beyond even me or like some things are not permitted to, you know, like mastery over life and death is not permitted to me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he could have explained that, but they chose not to. But the Gandalf in a lot of ways is kind of like gets off the same. Like, I don't know why um more people don't ask him to do more things in the series mm-hmm. you know uh because you know he fucking body one v one's the balrog mm-hmm. uh and he's allowed to do things like that like whenever the servants of sauron are using their excessive supernatural power against the men like he's able to but as long as it's like the children of morgoth versus the children of uh Iluvatar, they're supposed to kind of like they're like the referees more than than the big thumbs on the scale, right? They're supposed mm-hmm. to balance the aggression from the other side. And I guess you could say Malva doesn't ask. She's power hungry. She wants to be the leader of this tribe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you not think that they were married until this episode where he says he's going to go, he's going to go off to meet his missus and she suddenly acts oh, like, Oh God, you're right. Yeah. I don't, I thought that they were married this, they're an old married couple, but apparently she's just the, She's just a Harfoot hard woman. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the Harfoot hard ass of the of the <laughs> of the traveling encampment. Huh. Yeah, you're right. I didn't connect that. But uh the visuals of him blowing them into their hideous moth forms and dismissing them and like him standing yes. up and say, I'm good. Like I I thought that stuff was really fucking cool. I thought uh, the sound design is amazing too, with all the magical yeah. powers being used with these the the fire uh, and the flame and oh, the rocks. Oh, the dweller went like and, like went fucking flame full full on flamethrower. Uh huh. Should have held on your staff though. Yeah. Right. Should have one handed that fire. Turns out. Uh. All right. Let's go over to Valendil. I didn't know if we'd see him again this episode, but we do. He sails home without either of his friends. They're both, as far as he knows, dead. Elendil catches Queen Muriel trying to memorize the layout of the the boat below decks and tries to help her. She's concerned with helping him, though, with what should be a traumatic loss of his son. Seems kind of fine with it because he's an elf lover. Yeah, and, and also he, his son's a piece of shit and he knows it deep sucks. down. Yep. <laughs> uh, but he does say he's going to try and make the end worth the cost of his son. And then Muriel Buck and five. are called to the deck. To see black flags raised in Numenor, meaning the king is dead. They turned to piracy. I, you know, I thought they had turned to fascism. I, I honestly <laughs> thought like Farazon had had <laughs> some kind of grand speech and taken over Numenor while they were gone. Because that's what I expected. So that's the bullshit thing about this scene is this is cool coming back to the king being dead and all. 
But they set up a plot line where Farazone, the guy who's an opportunist, the guy who is power hungry, yeah. is going to be on this island with only the people who are not on board with the cause of help, helping the elves. And he is going to use that opportunity to gain more power. That is what I expected to happen. They don't even address it here. But to be fair, they could be kicking that because like we that could have been what happened. Like he is, you know, like when the queen comes back and he's going to be like, well, you're blind. You took our best troops over to another continent to get your asses kicked and died. And then you let our king, who was our ally, go to the elves and suck their dicks. And you are bad. Like he's like, I think that there's perfectly set up to where Queen Muriel is going to have a frosty ass reception. And they're gonna. I, but the thing is, it's gonna be an Arian. Yeah, uh, I guess an, so. But an, an, an Arian, whatever the the his his daughter's name is gonna be like. I looked into the Palantir, and it's fucked. Shit's fucked. You can't listen to Farazon. But yeah, yeah. I they they they've left this in a very messy place. But that's fine. That's fine. I think so. I think we should have seen that that consolidation of power happen. But this is also this is also I'll let this if it is like there's no need no need to keep Ellen Deal's elf friend secret. Like, why did they treat this like a, a secret plot? What is going like? Why? I think it was, I think it's a unforced error that they kept the western shores of Numenor a secret plot. I think it's unforced mm-hmm. error that they kept uh, Ellen uh, Ellendil's wife and these kids' mothers. Uh, I think that the like Elendor Elendil being secretly friends of the elves, and it's also weird because last episode he's ready to give all that up, and that mm-hmm. didn't play like a real crisis of conscience because he was keeping the elf shit at arm's length. So I don't know why they decided they needed this many puzzle boxes in this damn show, but uh, it definitely made it definitely made the Numenor plot just so much weaker because we just didn't have any idea what the fuck. I thought Mm -hmm. Queen Muriel was evil (laughs) until like episode five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like I just I don't know how that served them with with again all the other more compelling mysteries they had. Yeah. I feel like it's super rude to shout Numenor is in sight when you have a freshly blinded queen. <laughs> Only for poor some of us, of, you dick. Yeah, poor choice yeah. of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that scene. I guess let's move over to the forge again. An experiment goes wrong and Halbrin suggests that they may have used too much force to try and squeeze these metals together. So they decide to try it with less force. Mithril's proud refuses the attempts to bond it with lesser ores. Well, it's like it's haughty and, like you goddamn elves. You don't like to mix and share power either. And Elrond's over there like patience, Kilibrimbor. This is a journey. And I'm like, yeah, I have exactly three weeks. You guys are on uh-huh. the clock here, man. They did compress the hell out of this because like in we're at the halfway point of the episode pretty much like maybe two thirds and mm-hmm. the scene where like Halbrand sees the librarian elf hand the scroll of the southern lord's descendants thing and he's like mm-hmm. I'm dipping like okay time time to get out of here it's like I feel like a better show would have played some of this out over the course of a few episodes to really let Galadriel's suspicion feel you know and it's like they feel like they had too much time to do like he doesn't really take the elf three weeks to find this scroll. really if that's his most important job he's given to by the first commander <laughs> of the elves. how long it took oh shit that's well i mean i'm guessing because they did, yeah they she, he bounces at the eve of the rings being forged which was going uh-huh. to take at least like 
uh, stretching it. Like it was a miracle to get him done in three weeks. So yeah, I think that that's mm-hmm. exactly what's happening. And he Damn. even said something like it's going to take a long time. So like, I, I don't know. Um, gotcha. But yeah, like it's like just going on light speed. One episode, the rings of power being forged, Sauron being revealed, wizard being revealed. So much happened after so little happening. Yeah, I think they really want you to come back for next season. Yeah. I think they want to they want to really blow your socks off this episode, and it mostly worked. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more rings of power to ponder. We'll be back right after this short break. And now, let's dig a little deeper on Dug Too Deep. Uh oh boy. This next scene recap is pretty big. Talk about that that Harfoot battle being big. This one's bigger. Uh, the information Galadriel was looking for is delivered to her and she runs off to read it. Halbrand follows her. She tells him that she knows he lied about who he is. So he reveals his true identity as Sauron in a series of visions where he tries to convince her to join him so they can rule together. I'm going to stop right there. I thought Sauron abandoned the ruse too early because when she says the line is broken, I've seen a ghost say that very word to Aragorn and he grabs him by the throat and says, it's been reforged, bitch. Like (laughs) you can like what he's like, well, that's what you know from the elves. Yes, my line has been dashed, but I've been in hiding because Sauron hunted us down and I'm the last what. Like, course, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there are a thousand just, reasons you would not have a perfect lineage, right? Yeah, like oh, you don't know the human king's true story from the south that you barely even know exists from a thousand years ago, really? And it took you three weeks to get it fish out of the toilet <laughs> water from your crypts. Like, come on! <laughs> I thought he gave, I thought he gave up on that a little too, a little yeah. too soon. But totally. they make it up because all the other stuff is so good. Like, yeah, he had it a all for tracks. It, it all tracks mm-hmm. extraordinarily well. Like when she try every time she tries to pin him on something, because I, I guess like his real ruse is, yeah, I'm Sauron, but we're on the same side, baby. Yes. In fact, I kind of want to marry you. I love I wanna... how seductive this scene with Finrod is. It's like just touch the darkness one more time. You know, he was counseling you too. It's a little too seductive. I think they're trying to they're trying to steal some of Game of Thrones incense mojo, and it's just not. Oh, yeah. oh! The House of the Dragons got that shit in death grip. All right, that's just like. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't thinking like sexually seductive, but sure, sure. I was thinking like power seductive. Yeah, from no. a power yeah, standpoint. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, but yeah, I I like all this stuff. I really love the visuals. At first, I was a little put off by the rocking of the raft. I was like, God, it's mm. rocking up and down. These people look stupid mm. while they're trying to have a conversation on this mm. rocking raft. Like they're on seesaws. Uh, but it really pays off when Halbrand, Sauron, whatever, flattens the sea and, yeah. and shows him the reflection of of him in his, all his glory, right? His power. And then uh, she and then when he it, gets angrier. And, yes, yeah. and he makes those seas even bigger. It's It's really cool. I love that stuff. And then when she falls into the sea, just like sitting with her in that darkness as the light fades above her, as she sinks down into it. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And a real good callback to what came before. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, I thought that uh, also they built her because I talked about like, is Galadriel that much more powerful than like she bodies groups of Numenorians who are supposed to be these eight foot tall supermen. 
She completely outclasses her own elite warrior group where she takes care of a threat single handedly that all together they could barely deal with themselves. Mm-hmm. But it does pay off because when she goes to stab Sauron in the throat and he just like neo blocks her like the agent Smith yeah. at the end of the Matrix. It's like fucking shit. He is on a whole. But it, she he would like he, he is be, that yeah. much. He is that much more uh, powerful than 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 her. And it also shows how much like Gandalf was holding back throughout the entire you know, oh, yeah. Gandalf could have beat all the shit at any time. He's just forbidden. Mm-hmm. Um, I I couldn't help also, but think that like maybe Halbrand slash Sauron here wants her to melt down her dagger for some reason to create these rings. Um, why do you, that would why make do you some think that? Sense because the way that Finrod mentions it, um. You know, he points oh, out that dagger it's time in to the put vision. The dagger down. Yeah, yeah. I I'm getting vibes like that dagger is dangerous to him somehow. Or oh, I just think he wants him to forge the rings. Well, he super yeah. wants him to forge the rings. <laughs> sure, so he can get his. Yeah, and and he can in the darkness bind them. But uh, yeah, fair. No, I thought in like this, like the genesis of like this is the kind of like if you if you look at Galadriel's arc beginning here and ending in the Fellowship. Like this callback of, you know, it's like, oh, you want me to be a tyrant, you know, not a not a dark queen, but uh, a light. And you're as beautiful as this, as treacherous as the sea. It's almost a word for word quote of her passing the test in fellowship. Hmm. I thought that was cool. Um, and then him like, oh, you'll buy like he's just I, and again, I don't even know if all this is bullshit, which is the exact right way you should play Sauron. Um, of him like essentially proposing to marry her and you know it's like oh you'll buy me the light and I bind you to power which is something she's craved you well know? the interesting thing is later she's very she tempted says, by these offers of supreme oh, totally. executive power uh, down to the fellowship era uh-huh but then I, I look at that and I, I say well what would happen there would be a joining of these two people one one to you know give the other power and one to keep the other from darkness but what Galadriel says about what happens with two rings later that will divide people. Divide right? you, yeah. It's, they could it's the exact out. opposite of what he's proposing here, which kind of reveals the lie of it. Yeah. Well, and like Gandalf said the, when he's calling Saruman out for being a fool, it's like, you think you're going to share power with Sauron? Mm-hmm. Guess <laughs> what? That's kind of his whole deal. He doesn't do that. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's I, I think it, 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 it's, it's, this was a really fun fan service moment because it checks a lot of boxes of Galadriel's arc. I did, mm-hmm. I didn't like where she essentially turned him on this like very modern, uh, um, this very modern idea of it's not right. To, like, what the fuck is this Lord of the Rings? It's not right to rule people. No one has a problem hmm, yeah. with Aragorn ruling people. People are super excited about him ruling people. He got a good king back doing good ruling. Gladriel, again, my whole my understanding of her whole deal is she left Valinor so she could rule. Because mm-hmm. she couldn't rule in Valinor, the land of the gods. So, like, I thought they needed something a little bit better than, like, are we going to heal the rule? It's like, well, what, what difference does it make? Oh, that's the last thing I want to hear you say. Unless it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't share my power either. I want, you know. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Collateral, you think you're going to get a taste of my you, power? You can, you can be my dark gigolo if you want, but you're not going to be my king. <laughs> you can make my royal fuck boy, but you're not going to. Yeah, like I, I, I that I, mm, they needed something a little bit different. Because again, Tolkien doesn't give a shit about ruling people. It's He doesn't, he doesn't like misrule. But I think Tolkien is super cool with royalty. And I felt like mm, Galadriel yeah. should have been too. But 
Yeah. Gotcha. They, you can make an elf black, but you can't you can't take the feudalism out of Tolkien. Right. That's where I sure. stand on the lore. All right. Let's get to the second kind of chunk of this scene here where Elrond finds Galadriel in the river, wakes her from her vision, and she runs up to stop Celebrimbor from finishing his work. Um, and instead of just a single crown, she convinces him to make three rings. He says he needs gold and silver from Valinor, which can only be found in her brother's dagger. So she melts it down and that's her cost to pay. That's her sacrifice. I thought that, boy, I, I feel like I needed another episode to properly break down the making one, not one, but two, not two, but three. Because it's a great idea. It's a mm-hmm. great like, oh, well, yeah. if you get because even even Gilgalad's like, you're going to he's skeptical. Like, you're going to put this much power on my brow. Yeah, this is insane what you're talking about. And they're like, oh, well, we should split it. But then Galadriel walk in the light logic of like one can corrupt, two can divide, three there's balance. Mm-hmm. But I do think that she's missing the point that they probably should have divvied that um, divvied that up between the three great peoples of Middle Earth. Yeah, should have been is one really balanced if everybody is on the same side of exactly. that, that has that power. Yeah, exactly. But this shows the inherent stick up their assness and vainglory of the elves. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is canonical. Like I've always thought the elves are a little bit kind of haughty, but I don't know. Yeah, but I, I mostly liked it. I don't know. Maybe you could have stretched it out a little, got a little yeah. deeper on that. But it, the logic tracks, cool. and I thought it was pretty smart. Like you know, why did you make three? Like you know, it's it's a good it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And also like, I like the fact that Galadriel is like being real cagey about Halbrand, and Elrond tries to call her on it, and it's like I don't trust you, and she's like, dude. Do I need to play the tape? 20 minutes ago, you said you would never do this again. And again, he got kind of hoisted on his petard. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's also like the creation requiring sacrifice. It's very Tolkien, mm-hmm. Tolkien in its concept and her realizing that, oh, her dagger is going to be the price that definitely cost her, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's the memory of her brother. Uh, all right. The stranger meteor man, Gandalf. I, I don't know whoever he is he's going to rune uh, he invites Nori but she says no and then her family talks her into going and they all say tearful goodbyes then Nori and Meteor Man head out in the direction that their nose takes them which is strange given there's a sun in the sky but I, why am I am, why is that strange because he knows it's to the east or am I supposed to understand that the sun works oh. differently like oh, in this I mean, age, the planet is flat, right? It's flat, but we've also heard Ellen Deal say that the sun still sets in the right, you know. And Sadek watched a sunrise in this yeah. episode, which seems no. Weird you're with you're the right. Planet. He should know, but like also like not knowing, you know. And I when you're talking about like going, that's something that I think the Fellowship helps us out. Like you can't really go in a straight line because there's mountain ranges and oceans uh-huh. and rivers and shit in your way. So like. Just heading east is only a so-so way to get to someplace, you know. Like Frodo knows where Mordor is. A long way to go. General. I think you could start by heading east. You don't have to yeah. smell the wind. Fair enough. To know Fair which enough. way to go. But the reason he's doing that is because that directly ties him to Gandalf. Because that's exactly what Gandalf said in the Mines of Moria when there was three identical passages and he couldn't figure out, couldn't break the long jab. He's like, "Up oh, the the uh, air's less foul this way. Always follow your nose, Frodo." And he's sure. doing the exact same thing to really hit that this is a Gan- this is some kind of proto Gandalf situation. 
Makes sense. Uh, also, why I, doesn't I, Poppy go with Nori? That's my biggest confusion here is why the <sighs> fuck she stay? She doesn't have family here. All her family's dead. Just go with Nori. I think it's because... Yeah, because they're setting us up to her to be to Sam. And even when she goes, no, don't go, Mr. Frodo. And she uh-huh. runs to him. And it's just like, I thought, oh, here it goes. But like, it seems like they're making an opposite point, which is sometimes we have to let go of the things we're comfortable with and we love to change and to grow. And I'm guessing we're going to continue to follow Polly in the seasons to come. And she's going to be important to the pl- in, in the exact same way. They split Mary and Pippin from Frodo mm-hmm. and Sam. And yeah. they were always the like non-serious kind of like fuck up hobbits but mm-hmm. they ended up kind of low-key being the bad the, the biggest badasses by the end of the series mm-hmm. some of my favorite parts in the book is where they go back home to the shire and like you know and shire's been taken over by evil men and there's bullying hobbits and they're like you know they see these hobbits ride up on on ponies and start giving them shit and order them about and the men are like what the f-? and then they're like the men are like oh look at these he's like these fell hobbits that we like we've never seen before with bright glittering eyes and steel at their waist and like kind of with the air of like we'll take you people Uh yeah we're half your size but we will handle your asses and just backs them the fuck off like i i i I like that i so i i'm i'm expecting to see these harfoots kind of transform from the wanderers to the homebodies um and and poppy is going to be like a a, a peregrine took type that she's going to become a much more serious and and leader of her people that's my guess where they're gotcha. going with that makes sense um in this moment it's a little strange she doesn't go with her but I, they're also starting already to evolve these harfoots right i mean yep. the the whole change in the tone of their song because when i remember them singing nobody goes off the path nobody gets left behind Mm-hmm. That was Sadik saying, you fuckers better keep up and we're not helping you if you don't. So get in line. Yeah. Yeah. It, here they're saying, watch out for little ones and stragglers. I'm like, well, right. that's completely the 180. Maybe, maybe Sadak was secretly the hard ass, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And now we got Malva fucking up the map, getting the map backwards. She's just a little bit more. I, yeah, guess. I don't know where I'm going either. Let's just keep an eye on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I no, will say I, that I think like, their experience with Meteor Man has changed them somewhat yes right? that, that's it the has. difference here yeah it has from for greater lesser extent and I, and I like that her family recognized that i thought i was mm-hmm. really again i was moved by especially her mom saying goodbye and when nori promises to be careful her mom's like no you won't you'll be bold i was just like tears yeah like you know you'll like, be you right yeah like <laughs> what man wouldn't you like to hear your parent like i'm scared to death but this is you know like I I give you my your, your, my my blessing to be bold you know like try some things get get out there mix it up kid and it was uh, super sweet when Nori proved to her father that he had done a good job raising her I thought you know? that was great too yeah that's, that's awesome like maybe you haven't taught me a lot of book learning but just by listening and watching you I've learned a thing or two about life and mm-hmm. uh, yeah I thought that was affecting too absolutely and even even Sadak like like Mar- Malva uh, saying we're gonna miss Sadak and wish he was here with us and then the elder Harfoot's like he is and shakes the book and like yeah that, that the like I said all the Harfoot stuff I thought they did a great job maybe a little you know foot draggy but like they did a really good job nailing that they did a really good job with yeah. Elrond and the dwarves and mm-hmm. in the end I think they did a really good job of Sauron unbelievably um <laughs> They just kind of, yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely the Numenorean stuff has been the weakest part of this show. Yeah. Front to back. But I think, yeah, I even came around on the the 
Celebrimbor, Forging yep. of the Ring stuff by the end of it. Yeah. Even though that started a little rough, too. Um, no, I, I can't believe how much I enjoyed this episode based on where we were at the last week. So kudos to them. Right. All right. Gladriel's dagger is melted down along with the mithril to forge three rings. And during the process, Elrond goes back to the river and finds the scroll that Galadriel had. He rushes back up the tower just in time to find the rings completed. And he seems pretty worried that Galadriel has maybe made a big mistake here. Yeah, I don't know. Again, Elrond's face completely inscrutable. He mm-hmm. has a slightly furrowed brow. He's Mister. He's not even Mister Spock. He's like one level removed from Mister Spock. If Mister Spock's <laughs> face is devoid of emotion, this man is a brick wall. <laughs> he uh, well, for for one thing, uh, his ears are three times the size of Mister Spock. So fair, three fair. times the, three times the size of the ears, three times the emotional reserve. Hmm. Uh, I liked the way that they treated Galadriel's dagger being melted down like a cremation. Oh, yeah. Like it's even down in a little box. And uh, I I thought that's I, I, I don't know, because when they poured the the alloy into the swirly thing that Mm -hmm. made it go down into the form, it, it formed another fiery eye. Are they overdoing oh. that? Because they did that with the uh, the stranger as well. And that's just a mm-hmm. big old fake out. That's just a big old fake out. Yeah, so you're saying you don't trust the eye? Well, in this case, I kind of do. Because, again, I've, I've seen <laughs> right. the Lord of the Rings. And I know who the Lord of the Rings are. But mm-hmm. I'm a little annoyed that they did. Because I don't think there'll be any explanation. Why did he come down in a wreath of eye? Yeah. Did Sauron no, curse him? Like it's like I maybe though you'll find out. Like uh, actually, Sauron's the one that veiled his mind and tried to waylay him, and you know, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But I I was a little irked about that. Gotcha. Oh, uh, I was going to ask you, your wife, uh-huh. something of a ringsmith herself. Yeah, is she watching this? She has not seen this episode. No. Oh shit! Because I was wondering what she thought of the ringsmithing. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I gotta say, I thought the rings were a little costume jewelry especially since those gems are just completely unfinished they're not faceted yeah, or nothing. yeah no they're definitely not they're just uh yeah I, I don't know i'll have to ask her i'll show her they look at the, like the kind of thing we'll that you could out. get for 99 dollars out of the back of sky mall when sky mall used to be a thing you know what i mean Which yeah they totally. probably are i don't know uh we'll see we'll see what people think about them because yeah. i thought they looked pretty good but you're right they're not they're not the most immaculate pieces of jewelry. Yeah. Well, they call it uh, costume jewelry for a reason. Final scene here. Sauron walks toward Mount Doom and then the episode ends. And we get... Do you recognize the singer on this track? No. You might. It's Fiona Apple. No shit. Which is another Apple reference, people. More oh. apples. What does it mean? Oh, man. They're really, they're really teasing Tim Cook over there on Apple TV. <laughs> right. Yep. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe all these apples are showing up because they just want to say, ha ha, Apple TV? Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. We we stole Lord of the Rings right out from underneath you. No, I didn't know that. So, but I, I, I liked them, um, you know, because this isn't strictly, this is a translated from the black speech, so it doesn't really rhyme. But mm-hmm. it's haunting the way they did it. I, yeah. I rarely stay for the credits. And I'm like, number one, I thought there's an outside chance there might be a post-credit scene. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, fuck yeah, I kind of want to see where this song's going. 
and they picked the perfect person to sing it she's great um very haunted yeah and it's just you know the the describes the rings there are three rings for the elves seven for the dwarves nine for mortal man one for the dark lord on his dark throne all that one ring to bind them stuff um yeah and that's it for the episode going to slip glad rail his dark bone <laughs> that's okay. that's the third that's the third that's that, the final that's first the, that's the unfinished songs of tolkien's archive christopher yeah. you know took took a stab at that one it went in it went in the rare erotic <laughs> direction but uh sure. yeah i'm i'm curious about where the rings are dispensed who gets to keep one i don't think um Celebrimbor canonically keeps one Oh, um, so, so I'm like, I wonder, like, if there's going to be some changing of hands. Will Gilgalad get one, or are Gilgalad, they going to freeze around and Galadriel? That's I who I like want to have them. That's where I, if I was guessing, I mm-hmm. if actually, if I was guessing, I'd say it was it'd be Elrond, uh, Celebrimbor, and Gilgalad. Because what the hell did? Well, I guess she did give her dagger up. Yeah, she deserves one. Yeah, but like Celebrimbor for sure, right? Is going to keep one. I want to know what these rings do. So I like I'm like I said, I am not steeped in Tolkien lore. Listen to the Lorehounds because they they have a description of for all. Um, Yeah, that was the preseason stuff, which I didn't want to get into for fear of spoilers. Oh, I see. Um, But like is one like leaf powers, the other's fire, Mm -hmm. the other's water. One part and you summon Captain Uh Planet, Captain Middle Earth, uh, who's Don Cheadle and he's violent. He's violent. Oh, yeah. I, 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 if I, my, from memory, I think you've got, um, the ring that is essentially, I'm not sure, it is heart. It's the red one and it's, it's designed to essentially ignite the hearts of beings, you know, okay. like either for good or evil. You know, it's like you're really, you're firing them up. Uh, one and they make a point is, that all this is captured the essence of Middle Earth, right? Yeah. So all these things are parts of Middle Earth. One is a ring of power, a literal ring of power and a might that gives strength that it gives you, you know, it's probably because uh, that's the thing is like the ring, the powers of the ring are pretty ill defined. Um, the ones most defined is, I think, the heart one. And I think you've got another that's a ring of healing, uh, which okay. I think Elrond ends up getting, which is why he's such a, a brilliant uh, artificer healer. Um, and it's for like restorative, uh, doing things that are, re- the, 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 yeah, restore Heal that tree, baby, keep things beautiful. And yeah, like all these collectively are designed to keep the elves power and middle earth going, which is canonical there. Mm-hmm. I, I said like uh, the big strokes, it feels like they're being very canony and the way, like, it's just not the way I thought they would sell the Anatar Sauron, but like the fact that he is very deceptive, but through flattery and suggestion more than just outright you know, house of cards type of manipulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not even really sure from an audience perspective. It's like, what is this guy up to? Uh, I thought overall, again, cannot believe they pulled it out of what I thought was a pretty steep nosedive, but, but I we're in a pretty healthy spot going in the next year. I think mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what John thinks and uh, David over at the Lorehounds. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, they definitely care about the lore over there. We got a lot of rings of power to ponder. We'll be right back after this short break. And now, let's dig a little deeper on Doug Too Deep. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit lore with John here. Um, after that, Jim and I are going to talk a little bit more about where we think this Stranger Thing is landing up, or at least where I think this Stranger Thing is landing 
Uh, and that's definitely going to be what I would consider spoilers if you are not up on the Cimmerillion. Although, again, there's they're playing a lot of jazz here. And even if I could spoil you, I'm spoiling you for a concept and an idea, not a then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen kind of situation. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hear from John. If you don't want to do any of the lore stuff at all, um, maybe we can stop here. Definitely come back next week for our feedback episode. Definitely come back for our wrap-up episode where we're going to talk about our plans for future coverage and all that kind of stuff. Don't forget the lore hounds are out uh, if you uh, uh, out Monday. If you want to hit us up for the final feedback and wrap-up uh, sessions, it is dug too deep at baldmove.com. Follow us on twitter.com slash baldmove to stay uh, up on everything that we're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, if you've really enjoyed our work here and you want to keep uh, following along with all of our other stuff, I highly recommend joining the club because you get to ditch the ads and get a bunch more bonus content. Support.baldmove.com. Now it's time for the lore corner with John. Okay, John, welcome back to the lore corner here on Dug Too Deep. Happy to be here. We have got a couple of lore-centric questions today. I want to get right into it with R. McM. says, I watched the latest Rings of Power. My question is about the Balrog. I thought in the Lord of the Rings movies, it was understood that the reason the Balrog was aroused is because dwarves dug too deep and too greedily. It seems Elrond and the elves had no small hand in arousing the Balrog. If not for the high and mighty elves, this might not have happened. Is that the way it happened in the Cimmerillion? Uh, it's my, my understanding too, the Doug's, the, the, the dwarves digging too deep. That's how we got this podcast name. Doug too deep, uh, is, is what, uh, pissed off the Balrog who had kind of been, I don't know, hibernating there since, since the last big old good versus evil throwdown. What, what, mm-hmm. what's the, uh, what, what, let's talk about Durin's Bane, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, the, uh, the Silmarillion doesn't tell us too much about this because the whole second and third ages are two chapters, whereas the rest of the Silmarillion covers the first age. Uh, But the way it says it, you're right. It's about the dwarves digging too deep. Now I'll say this um, temporal uh, issues beside these histories in Lord of the Rings and in the Silmarillion are supposed to be in universe. So they're supposed to be what people in that universe know and have recorded. And so Let's say that it happened exactly like this. You could still see them saying it was because the dwarves dug too deep because who knows that it was the leaf that awakened the Balrog? Who who would actually be there to report that? So mm. I think that you could have it both ways a little bit. Um, I, I do think that uh, you can also look at it like Doran's Bane is part of a line of Dorans, and it's a later Doran, but uh, the... Mithril thing is the elves did move to Eregion, did move to that area because they found Mithril in Casa Doom canonically. Mm. So that is a real thing that the dwarves uh, and elves were neighbors because of Mithril. That's when that's that's when they built like they'll they're going to build that the uh, doorway that back door the the right. friend door uh, in this age um, as as kind of kind of the the facilitate the friendship between the elves and the the dwarves. Right, or exactly. The trade, so, the trade, rather. Right, and that doorway was made with Mithril. It was made with Ithildin, mm-hmm. which is the, the elvish sort of alloy of Mithril and elf magic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that, that you can look at it as an internal history issue, and you could just say, well, they've changed things from the timeline. I do think that 
it is weird that they're showing that the Balrog is essentially awake at the bottom of this pit. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, if I were not really, as, I guess, uh, as aware of what's going on as, as uh, maybe I am, I would think that, like, oh, my God, you know, the dwarves are going to start mining this mithril and the Balrog is going to come out and eat him up. But, like, clearly that's not going to happen. They're going to get a shit ton of mithril out of this vein before the Balrog destroys them, I think. They're not going to mm-hmm. defeat the Balrog. Uh, I, I thought it was, it was weird to show it being at the bottom of the pit and awake. Like, as awake as it was, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think that was just a fan service thing. They wanted to they wanted to give you the member berries, as you said, on the Lorecast. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, not, it's not super logical, but... Uh, uh, I guess that they wanted to show that Peter Jackson Balrog. Well, they got that. They they definitely got that in. Um, John Jones says, I was going to defend the show on one thing that Aaron pointed out, or I'm going to defend something. I nearly took to Twitter with a hashtag justice for Celeborn. Uh, again, I, I think you might do better with a hashtag justice for Teleporno. Mm. But this is just too, this has just have two big ramifications for the future of Middle Earth and the story of the Lord of the Rings. I'm going to cling to the fact that Gladriel's only assumed that Celeborn is dead. As Jim pointed out, Gladriel says, this was the last day I saw him. I can only hope that he's still alive somewhere, maybe a prisoner somewhere. I can't believe it will stand. Another out that writers could use that they 100% won't is this. In the Lord of the Rings films, famously Arwen replaces Fingolfin. Is this a uh, corruption of uh, gold... What what's his name? Goldfindel? Glorfindel. Glorfindel. Fingolfin yeah. right. is a person, but but no, it was Glorfindel that Armin replaced. Gotcha. In the uh, yeah, and saving the hobbits in the border of Rivendell. Maybe Celeborn ends up being the elf that gets sent back to Middle Earth, reembodied to assist Galadriel, elves, and men against Sauron instead. I th- so they're saying that just go ahead and lean into this and completely replace Glorfindel with another famous elf that got returned. And, and I, did, could you talk about that? Is, did Glorfindel, did, did he have this purpose coming back? He was almost like a mini version of the wizards? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Glorfindel fought off a Balrog in the first stage and died doing it. But I believe mm-hmm. the Balrog died too. So he's a, he's a pretty badass elf. And, yeah. uh, you know, the original elves, the ones who like, woke with the waters in Quivienen and went to Valinor and saw the trees. They were sort of a little more powerful than the modern elves. Mm-hmm. And so Glorfindel comes back because the Valar say, you know what, the wizards could use a little extra help uh, going to defeat Sauron and going to help the peoples of Middle-earth defeat Sauron. So Glorfindel gets sent to help Elrond, basically. Are there any other notable elves that get sent back like that? Or is Glorfindel like really that big of a badass? I can't think of anyone who went back to Middle-earth, but I know that Finrod, Galadriel's brother, did get re-embodied in Valinor. So he's just chilling over there, uh, hanging out, having having some margaritas with his dad. So there's a, a distinct possibility that Celeborn will come back and have that message from, I think this is something you said, that like uh, sh- <laughs> they'll deliver like the Finrod. message. <laughs> Yeah, like he's he's he says, uh, you know what, uh, you've been swimming in the darkness too long, Galadriel. It's uh, time... Time to get out, uh, get get off and dry that darkness off. Uh, get, yeah. put, put that in your dagger. It's cool. I think that that's probably the plan right now. My spirit's um, at rest. It's, it's, it's certainly a possibility. Um, I'll say this. I'm less mad about the episode and less mad about the changes than I was when we recorded on Friday. Uh, okay. But uh, I still don't love the Celeborn thing because if he's alive... It just kind of doesn't make sense that he's been gone for thousands of years, MIA. I mean, like, if yeah. this were, like, 
even hundreds of years. For elves, that's like not super long. Even if this right. were hundreds of years, but you're talking about like a full that, age yeah, of him that's being like, missing. It feels like that'd be like missing like in a complete like kinda of, kinda of the way that um Durin talks about Elrond missing. Like that's the kind of thing where like, you know, you would miss entire life events. Even right. to a, a long lived elf. That's that's a that's a long time to be away. Right. Um Yeah, like I said, I I don't care about the lore impacts of it at all because I figure like they can always square that away. It's more of like I thought it was goofy to add another layer, another dimension into her grief and to have it completely. I guess she's been so traumatized that she can't speak to anybody about it. She can't even have a moment to herself where she's privately reflecting on his her grief for him or like again visiting his statue in the grove. Um, it's just more of like, you know, why now? Why here? Why now? When they had so much going on with uh, her brother and uh, ample, ample ways for her to relate to Theo because that, that stuff was going pretty well. But anyway, sure. Well, uh, that'll do it for the lore corner this week. John, uh, you guys have another week of uh, taking a crack at the, 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 the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Where do people find your coverage of the, the deep lore of Lord of the Rings universe? Yeah, well, we have a fresh episode out today uh, on the Lorehounds feed. Uh, it's labeled the Lorehounds, the Rings of Power right now. If you're listening later, it might just be the Lorehounds. Uh, but you, you're on that feed. You're on that uh, episode. And then this Friday, David's coming back to finish out the season. And we'll yeah, do full a strength season again. wrap up, too. Yep, yep. We, we are Lorehounds proud again. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks again, John. Thanks, Aaron. I think... That this stranger is, in fact, Saruman. Mm. I was doing a little bit of lo- reading because I had some spare time this this morning. And I happened to go over and I wanted to see about this this uh, rune place. So this is the eastern land where the, you know, the Easterlings come. These are uh, kingdoms of men like the Southrons that are eventually going to fall under Sauron's power. At, at some point in some way. Cause, and, and isn't it really a spoiler? Because you see them uh, and identified by name in the Lord of the Rings. These are the people that like uh, Sam and Frodo see marching from the east with their Oliphants. Okay. Hmm. Um, they mentioned that the Blue Wizards, the Istari that are the Blue Wizards, were sent to Rune to inspire the, the, the Easterlings uh, the way that Gandalf was supposed to and, and Saruman are supposed to uh, inspire the rest of Middle Earth. And I was reading in the valleys, this is very mysterious, like because the primary POV people that were sent over there to help are never heard from again. We know very little about this. But one thing the canon is clear on, according to the uh, the one wiki that ruled them all, um, is that Gandalf never sat foot in Rune. But the same entry says that Saruman went there to follow the Blue Wizards and later returned to Middle-earth. Now, John mentioned in a couple lore episodes ago that the Blue Wizards, um, one of the things that I think Tolkien said in a letter, that his idea is they went over there and tried to inspire men. They kind of failed, um, obviously. But he thinks that they inspired a bunch of weird magical cults. Hmm. And I think that Saruman has been sent to investigate what happened to the other two wizards that went over there. And he's going to find them doing this weird, bat evil, kind of probably evil magic cult and been corrupted. 
and they really want us to think it's Gandalf, but mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Like, first of all, the lore says he never went there, and Saruman did and came back. I think it'd be really cool to get to know Saruman when he was cool, because like Gandalf yeah, talks yeah. like he's a hell of a guy. He was the best, most wisest, most persuasive, most powerful. His hands were brilliant and crafty. And until he got shanghaied by uh, Sauron, he was a real stand-up guy. I think it'd be really cool to meet Saruman before he turned evil. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is they've always in the Tolkien lore made consistently that Saruman had like a darker, a much darker beard than Gandalf. Okay. And I can't help but notice a stranger's got gray hair, but a very dark, like not even a speck of gray in it beard. Mm. But his mannerisms and his warmth are very much Gandalfian and yeah. even his gray rose line. Yeah. Well, no, I that's my next thing is like I think the nose line is a lot more Christopher Lee than it is um uh, uh, uh God who is the guy that plays Gandalf? Uh Ian McKellen. Ian, in, Ian McKellen. In delivery? Or in delivery? Oh, I was talking about his nose, just the shape of his nose, like the shape of his <laughs> Oh, his his actually I, I meant following his nose. That line about following yes. his nose is Gandalfy. But yeah, maybe yeah. that's something that the like cuz that's also other thing is like how alike were the wizards? when they came sure you know i know they're individual people but we've only seen two of them and they're pretty far alike but also gandalf says that like saruman's changed a lot mm-hmm. so maybe they were all kind of folksy and whimsical and had these little sayings and stuff um yeah because other because like otherwise like it's just yeah this is just gonna be gandalf which i'm cool with i like gandalf i would like to see gandalf fucking around in the second age too but in either in any of these interpretations are non-canonical and pretty far off from the canon but this is still introduce Gandalf later, right? I, I think it's a cool idea to see Saruman. Yeah, like you said, before yeah. he turns evil. Yeah. Before he's corrupted yeah. by Sauron. Yeah. And then 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 when you you, you get, just like you get a much better appreciation for Sauron, for El uh, Elrond, for Galadriel, you get a much more mm-hmm. appreciation, be more tragic Sar- Saruman's fall. And then at the end of the series, they could potentially introduce Gandalf. Because my understanding of the lore is one of the things that first started turning Saruman evil is that when Gandalf got off the ship, even though he was not the first Astari and not the most mighty in uh, the, the shipwright, as his name's Sirden, I think, he something about Gandalf inspired him to be like, you actually are the guy, and I want to give you my heart ring. Hmm. He had, at this point, it ended up with the ring of power. He gives it to Gandalf to help inspire people, and Galadriel, when they formed the White Council, privately groused that she thought Gandalf would be running it. And those two perceived snubs are one of the things that started making Sauron... I mean, Saruman kind of go dark, that that uh, jealous and okay. enmity and and being jealous of Gandalf. So, like, I think it'd be a it'd be a fun twist at the end for Gandalf to be introduced and he's this great guy and we think Saruman's a hero, but you see Sauron kind of like butt hurt about Gandalf mm-hmm. come lately getting all the accolades <laughs> and stuff. And that'd be that'd be a, a cool way to set to launch yourself into Peter ja- the, the Peter Jackson part of the verse. True. Yeah. So that's what my theory is. Uh, there you go. Uh, again, if you want to get in in any of our um, discussion of the final episode and our uh, just wrap up the series in general, please send all that into Doug to deep at baldmove.com. Follow us on twitter.com slash baldmove. You want to see where we're going next right now. We're finishing up house of the dragon. We're doing the walking dead. Uh, we're looking forward next year to hopefully getting severance. We're going to be covering the last of us on HBO. Um, 
I think Foundation's coming back for its second season, which we were pretty high on so. last year. And just tons of stuff. We're doing stuff all the time. Lots of movies, lots of television shows. Follow us at twitter.com slash baldmove to see if anything strikes your fancy. And finally, we could use your support at support.baldmove.com. That's it for us this week. We'll see you next week. Week, week, week. Until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm weak. See you next week. Mm-hmm.